Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 42 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host, as always. And just really kind of jump right into it, I guess. It's been a pretty quiet week overall in the rugby world, especially on, on this side of the rugby world. There's not a whole lot happening on the news front, so I've rounded up a couple different things. And uh, as a result, since this is going to be kind of a shorter show, since there's not that much to talk about, um, I've got two top-notch interviews for you guys today. I'm excited for you guys to hear so with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the breakdown. Um, those new to the show breakdowns where we talk about kind of the news that's going on. And like I just mentioned, there isn't a whole lot. Um, but one of the big things I have seen is just give you a Kanaloa Hawaii update. They've made quite the splash since the announcement last Thursday that they are um, going to try to join the MLR. And, and based on everything, it sounds like it's a all systems go. They're obviously still in that review period. And I think that's going to be based on money and stuff. But um they have made quite the splash. They made publications all over the world. And one thing I did remember that I forgot to mention um, as soon as I published last week's episode, because if you remember, I had a little bit of technical difficulties, and it was the thing I talked about on the first episode I recorded, but then that didn't save correctly, so I had to talk about it again, um, and I left it out this time. But one thing I forgot to mention uh, in that episode was that the Canelo Hawaii is going to have an interesting issue kind of getting players because of the way the time frame they joined. So they missed the dispersal draft, which is something we've talked about. They've missed um, the actual MLR draft, the collegiate draft that took place back in June. And they want to play rugby come February if rugby can be played by then. So based on a Wednesday Facebook post the Canelo Hawaii rugby made, um, sounds like they haven't had much of an issues with potential players, you know, reaching out to them about joining the club. So I'll read this post to you right now. It goes, recruitment update, uh, 15th of July, 2020. Aloha to all the players who have reached out to climb aboard our VACA. I don't know that word. As we undertake our historic voyage to bring professional rugby to Hawaii and the Pacific. Hawaiians, United States, and Canadian players are going to make a, up more than half of our squad and are key to our success in MLR. Further expressions of interest from players can be sent to Cam Kilgore, rugby manager, and his email address, cam at kanaloahi.com. Mahalo nui for all the interest and support. And there's a quote, the seed is now planted to pave the way for the great game of rugby to flourish in a way that is unique to the people to Paul, of Polynesia, end quote. That's the end of the Facebook post. So that's been shared 48 times. Um, so that's kind of how they're kind of going about handling the influx of player requests. Um, and that kind of leads to another thing that's been a topic of discussion, I guess really a point of contention since MLR has been in existence is people say that the player pool in America just isn't that deep to make a league full of American rugby players. And 
I guess that's something that we'll continue to see and we'll continue to hear people talking about as the league expands. And this is really the first kind of foray into an expansion team. So, you know, just so late in the process where they have missed all these opportunities um, to add some some top talent, some guaranteed MLR players to their roster. Um, so we'll see how that goes. So um, it doesn't sound like they're having too much of an issue getting bodies in there, but uh, the ultimate issue comes down to are they able to get quality rugby players, um, quality MLR players that can help them win. So it'll be fun to see how they do that. And, of course, we mentioned a little bit on the show last week, Hawaii is not short on talent, um, rugby talent. And, we'll, yeah, we'll just see how that goes. So. Second little bit of uh, news update I want to do is what we do every week. That's a Super Rugby update. So Super Rugby Aotearoa enters round six this weekend. Competition is half over as of last week. They're only playing 10, uh, 10 rounds. I don't know if you guys got the chance to catch the match between the Crusaders and the Blues last Saturday morning. It was That was the 105 a.m. game, but I watched it when I woke up on Saturday. It was a great game, exciting from start to finish. Uh, Crusaders ended up coming back, beat the Blues in that last 20-minute frame. And Crusaders, as a result, sit ahead. Uh, they're at the top of the table with 18 points after that win. The Blues are right behind them with 12 points. Hurricanes in third place with eight points. Highlanders with six. And the Chiefs rounding out the bottom there with three. So the fixtures for Super Rugby Aotearoa this weekend. Hurricanes and the Blues will play each other on Saturday at 1.05 a.m. And then the Chiefs and the Highlanders will play on Saturday at 9.35 p.m., so make sure to go check that out. And then we got Super Rugby Australia. It's in round three right now, so I didn't include the table because obviously still a lot can change. Um, but this weekend we get the Reds versus the Force, and that match will probably have already happened by the time you listen to this show because they kick off at 3.05 a.m. on Friday. And then the second fixture of the weekend in Super Rugby Australia is the Waratahs versus Brumbies. And that'll be on Saturday at 3.15 a.m. So catch all those matches on ESPN Plus if you're looking for something to watch. Um, it's on ESPN Plus, so it's on demand. You can watch whenever you want. And if you like it, go watch some of the other ones uh, that have been taking place over the last month. It's been really exciting. It's been good rugby. I've been uh, I've been really enjoying watching it. So that's kind of it. we got a super short breakdown that wraps that up. So we'll jump into the interview portions. So like I mentioned at the top of the show, it's kind of a shorter show since there isn't a whole lot going on in the rugby universe this week. So we'll go ahead and jump into these interviews now. Uh, first one I had on is Robbie Petzer. Robbie Petzer is a very good player. He's played for the Raptors these last two seasons. Um, obviously doesn't play for the Raptors anymore since they kind of disbanded and withdrew from MLR. So that's kind of uh, the dispersal draft. They they've were going different places. So... We, get, we talked to Robbie a little bit about where he's going to play his rugby next season. A little bit of breaking news for you guys there. Um, and just some of his fondest memories playing for the Raptors. And then, of course, if you guys had uh, been following along our DNVR Watches social campaign that we were doing a little earlier during quarantine, um, there was one match where Robbie scored 34 points against the Utah Warriors last season, and we talked to him a little bit about that as well. So, And then after the conversation with Robbie, Go ahead and have a conversation with former Raptor Zach Ponga. Uh, Zach is a freak athlete, as you guys will come to find out. This guy's that played for the Raptors. He's played pro rugby with the Denver Stampede, played for the Houston Texans in the NFL, and now he's a professional MMA fighter. And he's a, he trains with, works out with, and uh, he was in the corner of uh, DNVR's 
friend or UFC friend, Curtis Blade. So it's kind of funny. Worlds are kind of colliding a little bit. And I'll talk a little bit more about it um, after this conversation with Robbie Petzer. So I guess with that introduction, we'll go ahead and jump into that conversation with Robbie Petzer. All right. Now, welcome on to the show, former Raptor Robbie Petzer. Robbie, how's it going, man? Hey, man. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. Good, man. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, so where are you right now? Are you in South Africa? Yeah, I'm back home. I'm, I'm in Paris, in my hometown. Nice. I'm over here, uh, me and Marissa in our apartment. Yeah, so just been chilling. Nice. How has, uh, how has this like last few months been for you? What have you been doing to pass the time? Oh, man, it's been pretty rough, <laughs> I think, for everyone. <laughs> for sure. uh, no, I mean, I, I just got on the plane, and uh, when I got back home, we went, like, in a lockdown the first two days I was back. Uh-huh. We went under a lockdown, and it still hasn't ended yet. And, um, yeah, and so far, it's only getting worse. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> coming coming out of mid-season right. was pretty hard to adapt, sitting around doing nothing. But, um yeah, I got some home gym appliances, so trying to keep fit. <laughs> yeah, keeping fit. That's that's all you can do, right? Yeah. So I know rugby, yeah. a lot of people have been wondering where you're going to play rugby next season. Do you, you want to tell us? Uh, yeah, so um, just before I left with the Raptors, I signed a deal in Japan uh, with the Tokyo Gas. Uh-huh. So um, I was supposed to be there in April and then June, but obviously with the pandemic, we all suck a bit. Yeah. But I have, I have time till end of August, uh, start of September to get out there. Oh man, that's that's awesome news. What what about this like yeah. opportunity excites you? Like, did you ever think you would wind up in Japan? Yeah, I've been following following Japan rugby since Jock Free, uh, old Springbok yeah. went over to play there the first time, and um, yeah, and and. More and more South Africans went over and, and all of them coming back just said it's an awesome experience. And then after the World Cup over there, we just saw how the rugby in Japan is booming and it's a really good opportunity to go out and play there. Oh, congrats, man. That's awesome news. Yeah, thanks. And obviously, the, I'm taking Marissa with me and we're going to stay there together. So it's it's it really, it's it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's a whole like new chapter. Everybody, everyone's moving with. That's awesome stuff, man. So, Robbie, dude, I want yeah. to ask you a little bit about MLR, if you don't mind. So did you know, mm. did you get selected in the dispersal draft? Uh, so before the draft happened, Pete asked me, so am I still signed in Japan and my contract is going through there? And I said, yes. So I think they took me out of the draft oh, okay. because I was no longer in the MLR. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering, I, I know you, your guy, Carlo just got picked up by Dallas the other day. Uh, they made that official. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Wondering if there was any, any thought of you guys teaming up together <laughs> again back in a different city. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would have been awesome. It, it would have been good, but, um, yeah, like I said, I still have time till August to get in, in Japan. If not, I'll definitely visit some old resources and right. hear what's going on in the MLR. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, so I guess I could talk to you a little bit about the Raptors while I got you on the phone. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you'll remember most about your time in Colorado? Oh, man, my time in Colorado was so awesome. Um, to be honest... The, the the family vibe we, we've got at the Raptors, that was pretty awesome. Like, everybody was friends, and everybody was so nice to each other. 
Um, we had Mark Bullock, who was the boss around there. He was gymming with us and having fun. Right. So, I mean, it's, it was a pretty pretty nice setup we had. And with Steve and, and Pete being professionals, they had the, uh, they had the, right, the right mix between the, the player-coach right. situation over there. So, it, it was pretty fun. But um, things I would re- remember the most would definitely be muscles just running over, <laughs> over everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's an easy one to remember for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to, while I got you on the phone, Robbie, I never got a chance to ask you this, but a little background. So during mm. quarantine here uh, DMVR, we were doing the top, we did a top 10 Raptors list. And, uh, and your match yeah. where you scored 34 points against Utah last season, that made the list. So I just wanted to <laughs> What, what did you eat that day? What did you eat before the game? How how were you, how were you running so hot that day? Uh, I actually had an injury just a week before that. I, I injured my shoulder and I was sitting out a game and coming back to into a squad that was at that time not doing not doing too bad. And I mean, Chad London and everybody that was playing my positions was doing so good. I had to prove myself after being a week off. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. To be honest. Um, the team that night, every everything just collaborated and everything just went together that night. And I, I was just, I was just in the in, in the right spots at the right moment, to be honest. Right. Yeah. I mean, you and Chad both had good, good games that day. Days to remember. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Chad. Chad's awesome. <laughs> yes. I think he's going to Dallas too, right? He link up with Carlo. It'll be a fun team to watch next year. I think that's what. Who yeah. No. Definitely. To root for. Um, so yeah, you said your, your new season, so your, your plan is to move in August if everything goes all right. Is that, or that when you guys start playing rugby? Yeah. Yeah, no. So I'll have to be there in August, uh, start September, and then we'll, we'll start with the preseason. And, um, if I understood everything correctly, um, I think the season starts in January till April. Okay, cool. And, and do yeah. you know anybody else that's going to go over there? I do have a couple of mates that stays in uh, Tokyo. I'm going to be staying in Tokyo, oh, so I know a couple of couple of mates there that played for the Cheetos and stuff like that. So there is a couple of familiar faces close by. Yeah. All right, Robbie. That's all the that's all the questions I had for you today. It's pretty short and sweet. I really appreciate the time. Thanks, Colton. I appreciate you guys and say hi to everybody over there. And I miss you guys. Thanks, yeah, man. I miss you too, Robbie. <laughs> All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Robbie Petzer, learned a little bit um, about where he's going to play his rugby next season. Sounds like he's going to play for the Tokyo Gas, so it'll be fun to follow along with Robbie in his new journey. Sounds like he's in a good place in his life, and um, hopefully he can make it over there to play in Japan because it sounds like it'll be a great time. So um, thank you again for Robbie for taking the time out of his day to have that conversation. And now we'll jump into my second interview of the show, Zach Paunga. Like I mentioned, that'd be right before the interview. Zach's crazy, crazy good athlete. Um, he's gone professional in three different sports now, and it's it's cool because it's sandwiched in there between all the cool stuff that he's done in his in his life. Really playing, you know, for CSU, playing Division One college football, playing um, in the NFL. Now he's a MMA fighter. Um, he sandwiched in there is, is his time with the Raptors, and he was he was an awesome eight man, really fun to watch. He's fun to like he talked about. He was a big part of the uh, PRP championship teams, and then uh, kind of his era, I, I guess we can say, is like the the first guys you know that usher in professional rugby here in the states. And uh, we talk a little bit about the professional rugby organization and playing for the Denver Stampede, which is something that I've talked to a little bit about on the show and. 
really whenever I get the chance to talk to someone who was involved in all that, I, I jump at it because I'm interested in all that and because it it really has paved the way for what we have now in, in terms of professional rugby in America. So Zach's an awesome guy. I'm glad I got the chance to talk with him on the show. So I'll stop rambling and I'll kick it to my conversation with former Raptor Zach Paunga. All right, now welcome on to the show, former Raptor Zach Paunga. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. I know uh, we've been kind of going back and forth for a few weeks, so I'm happy that we got this uh, scheduled. So the first question we just kind of ask everybody is, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Yeah, I was born and raised in Lakewood, Colorado, um, just a suburb of Denver. Right. Grew up pretty local to where the Raptors play and um, went to Green Mountain High School, Carter State for college. Yeah. Kind of stayed local from most of my youth. Yeah, awesome. And I know uh, you've, you've got a very interesting athletic career. You've done a lot of cool things. So, I, um, so this is like this is a rugby show, so we'll talk a little bit about rugby before we jump into some of the other stuff that you've been doing. So how did you – when and how did you get into rugby? So my, my dad is Samoan. He's, he's from Samoa. So rugby is the biggest sport over there. So he's always, rugby's always been a part of my life. Uh, I was always a fan of it. When I was in high school, there was a club rugby team in Green Mountain, and my dad was a coach. So that's when I finally got to start playing for real was uh, my freshman year of high school. Yeah, and I like asking people this is like, when did it – when did you kind of catch the bug? Was it your first training? Was it your first match? It's kind of different for everybody. I was just wondering when, when you were, like, hooked on it. So I rugby had always been my team's favorite team sport since I was, like, five. Yeah. So I was in love with rugby my entire life. Right. It's just such an exciting game for for people that are dynamic athletes. Like you get to do everything. You get to run, catch, pass, kick. So I was always in love with it, and then when they finally put a club team together at my high school, that's when it was just a dream come true. Right. Uh, can you kind of talk about some of the other sports that you played when you were younger? Yeah, so I growing up, I never had an off-season. I was, my parent, I was just one of those kids that was in a sport every season. We went straight from football into wrestling, straight from wrestling into baseball, straight from baseball into summer track. Yeah. Um, that was just my life for 25 years. You know, I just played sports my entire life. Yeah. And I know just from talking to you in the past and following you along, uh, one of those sports, you, like you mentioned, was football. So can you kind of talk about how you ended up at CSU? Yeah, so obviously, like most uh, American boys, football was, was my main pursuit growing up and um, was big into football. Green Mountain had a good football program as well as a rugby program. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting a, a full-ride scholarship to just you to, to play football and took it and went up there to Fort Collins and, and played football basically for the next five years. Yeah, what position did you play? So I, I was signed, I was given a scholarship as a linebacker. Uh-huh. I made the transition my freshman year to um, fullback Yeah. just because the team needed a fullback and it was a way to see the field. Right. So I played my, my whole career as like a H-back, like blocking tight end type uh, 
position. Yeah. Cool. What are what are some of the most memorable moments of about playing football at Pitt CSU that you have? There was a lot. I mean, obviously, I spent five years there. Mm-hmm. It was it was a great time. You know, going to Fulham and and beating CU on their home turf when they didn't want to play at Mile High anymore was <laughs> was probably the best. Uh, the best memory because then after that we went back to Mile High because they <laughs> right. didn't like us coming into their house and beating them. Right. Winning the New Mexico Bowl was fun, and then just all the, you know, some moments away from the, from the cameras and the lights that that really just stick with me. All the early morning workouts with the guys that are my, you know, friends, lifelong friends now. That's what really sticks with me. Yeah, for sure. I like that. I like when uh, see when CU goes down as a, as a former Ram myself. So um, cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, when did going to the NFL become a real possibility for you? And can you kind of fill people in on what happened after you left CSU? Yeah. So yeah, after I left CSU, I was signed as an undrafted free agent to the Houston Texans. Uh, it was a little bit different than most people's experience because I I also came out during the lockout, mm-hmm. so there's no contact with the team until preseason football started and they ended the lockout. Jeez. So that was a little different than most most people experience. Right. I just show up two weeks before the first preseason game, even though I had signed with the Texans, I knew I was going there, but I wasn't allowed to practice with them, wasn't allowed to do anything. Right until those first two weeks and yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it was different. It was a different time for, for a lot of us. But the first, when I realized there's a possibility was when you go to college, the -hmm. division one football team, everyone there was the best player on their high school team. Mm -hmm. Everyone there was, was the best player from their hometown. And when I got among those guys, and then as a freshman, I was as a redshirt freshman, so I did redshirt a year. Mm-hmm. But when I switched over to offense, and as a freshman, I was starting and I was competing, and I was doing well against. We played teams like Cal that had uh, Marshawn Lynch on it at the time. They were number three in the nation, right? And I was competing against those guys as a nineteen-year-old kid. Like that's when I pretty much figured, like, okay, yeah. I can. I'm okay at this game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I guess what kind of what, um, I guess how did that NFL experience compare to anything you've done before? And I know it was a little different, but I guess the way I'm asking is like once you finally got in there and you did get, be able to start practicing and and, and you get around the, these NFL guys, how did that compare to anything that you'd ever done before? You know, and I'll be honest with you, obviously I, I am not playing in the NFL right now. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for it. It was, I wasn't ready for my passion to become my job. Right. And that's, that's what it was. It was eight to 12 hours a day, every single day, five days a week, six days a week during the season. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was amazing. It was, had been my dream for my entire life, but it was hard work. And that's, maybe you don't hear that often from, from people about how hard it is to be a professional athlete. Yeah. And even from college, like we worked hard in college, but 
they had a certain amount of hours that they couldn't train us for longer than those hours. We still had class during the day that we had to go to. Right. Once you're in the NFL, you have one thing to do, and that's play football or get better at playing football. Yeah. And and honestly, at, at that age in my life, I, I wasn't prepared for that and uh, is ultimately why I didn't make a bigger splash in the league. Right. That's an interesting answer. I'm, I'm glad that you shared that with us. So, like you just mentioned, didn't, didn't make the biggest splash in the league. But So then you leave football. How long did it take you to pick up rugby again after, after your football days were done? So my, my brother Justin had been playing with the Raptors the entire time that I was, I was playing at CSU and, and with the Texans. Uh-huh. Um, and I had been coming to the game. It's a great setup at Infinity Park. It's always entertaining. So I was aware that, that high-level rugby was being played in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And while I was trying to get back in the league, I was just going and running around with the boys, with the Raptors. Yeah. Just the same shape. And I played some... So to answer your question, almost immediately. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't realize that I was... The steps I was taking... I played some B-side games, like jumped on with the team up in, in uh, Aspen for Rugger Fest, yeah. a few things, thinking that I was getting ready, trying to stay in shape to go back to football. And that opportunity didn't, I probably did that without seriously committing to rugby for two years. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, finally when I was about 25, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. Football's not happening. Let's just, fell out for rugby yeah and then how long after that moment i guess was did pro rugby start up so i think it was three three years yeah yeah so we i started the first year that the prp okay just happened so we lost the first one first lost in the final the first prp won two finals Mm-hmm. And then pro pro came about. Yeah, and pro was obviously a, a very interesting endeavor, and it's kind of paved the way for MLR in a lot of different ways. Um, and I know I've talked to, <laughs> I've talked to a couple different people about their experience playing. Um, so I just was interested in if there's some of the th- what are some of the things that you remember most about that experience? So yeah, pro was an interesting experience. <laughs> they. I'll give them credit for one thing. Uh-huh. They were the first ones to have the guts to make a pro rugby league in right. America. And ev- everything we have now is because of pro. Right. But other than that, <laughs> it was, it was this kind of messed up situation. Right. The coaches and the players were top notch. Yeah. The, the, the coaches and the players were amazing. The best there was. And it was cool to get everyone in Colorado which in my opinion is the best rugby state yeah. on the same team. Yeah. So that was the first time that the Raptors and the Barbos players that we kind of joined up and just showed that we are the best rugby state. Right. Um, but there was all the financial stuff was weird. Mm-hmm. There was weird situations of like the owners not wanting to pay guys on full-time contracts who weren't making the roster. So, I'm playing in the game, but someone else's name is on the roster and their name is getting my stats and right. stuff like that. So all of the financial and administrative stuff was 
a hassle and a pain, but it was great to get true high level rugby in America and just start the professional side of America. Right. And Zach, do you still have some, some stampede kit? You still have some. I do have, I, I do have some, I still, I think (laughs) some, some purple jerseys and shorts. I don't, I I can't find those. anywhere. I've been looking hard, so I'm going to have to keep tracking some stuff down for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think I I kept the jersey that we won the final in. Oh yeah, that's a I good one to hang on to. That was a great game yeah. too. That was, I mean, all, all of that that whole season, like you said, it was cool to see somebody take the leap. Obviously, did not go over the best the best way possible, but it's kind of paved the way for mm-hmm. this new endeavor. And um, I hope that there's some some fun memories to look back on for you guys that were in the thick of it. That's, I know that's what Casey Rock told me. It's fun, it's fun to look back and look at some of the changing room situations and all that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, look, and it was a good group of guys we had in, in Denver, too. That was what made a lot of the, the nonsense bearable was just how good group of guys we had. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. So um, I know, I guess I got two more rugby questions before we jump into some other stuff, but... Um, do you have a favorite rugby memory of all time? And I like asking a lot of people this too because it's always different. Some people, it's they're you know playing in a high school state championship, or I don't know if mm-hmm. yours could be I don't know playing in one of those PRP finals. But is there is there one match that kind of sticks out in your mind? Yeah. So, and this is probably not what you're expecting to hear. Like, obviously, I had. Tons of great experiences with the Raptors. So many championships, high level stuff like that. Yeah. My favorite member with the Raptor memory with the Raptors, which was from a, a sevens game early in my career when we're um, the Raptor sevens program wasn't super developed yet. Yeah. And our team was horrible. <laughs> our team was not great. Like. I'm not really, at the time, I really wasn't a sevens player at all. I was a true 15 forward. My brother was on the team. He's a back, but he's not a sevens player. Right. So our team was horrible, and we were playing against Aspen, and they had Carlin Isles. Oh, man. Like, they had guys (laughs) that are on, they had guys that are on the, uh, yeah, like staples of the circuit right now. Right now. (laughs) Yeah. And we ended up beating that team, that Aspen team, and just grinding them out. Yeah. Like playing, literally playing 15s, just rolling balls and just smash mouth uh, rugby yeah. in a sevens match. And we ended up beating that team. And that's my favorite memory <laughs> of just how rugby can go sometimes. Sometimes it's not about skill or speed right. or fitness. It's just about gritting and getting it done sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, but that's why I like asking the, that question, though, because I – I would never, I've never even heard about that match, but now I'm interested mm-hmm. in, and like, I love that's different for everybody. So, <laughs> uh, moving, yeah, that, yeah, that last rugby okay. question I had for you is, uh, what, just what about rugby do you miss the most? I know just following you on social, I see you post about rugby here and there. You talk about missing it. What about it do you miss the most? I definitely miss the camaraderie of the team. Mm-hmm. It's just, the culture of rugby is something you don't really even get with, with football or, or other American sports. Mm-hmm. The the aftermatch socials, things things like that. 
And as far as, as playing the game, I just miss doing everything in one game. <laughs> right. Running, passing, tackling, just getting to be a part of the entire game as a player. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like that. So now to move on to the, the last little bit of the interview. So we talked about you playing in the NFL. We talked about you playing very high-level rugby. And now your most recent endeavor is, is you're, you're into MMA now. You're fighting. So when did you decide mm-hmm. to get into MMA, and, and how did that happen? So it, when the NLR started, mm-hmm. they were, for, for good reason, they were asking for a big time commitment from the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I was still working at the time. And I just couldn't give the team the time that they wanted to, to pay you, you know? Right. And so I, I had to step away from rugby, but I just needed, I still, like I said, I've been playing sports every season of my life since I was five years old. I needed something to do, mm-hmm. but I needed it something I could do on my own time. Like when I had the time to do it. Yeah. And I ended up going to, Easton's uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. Just a, no intent of being a fighting in a cage, but <laughs> I just wanted some exercise, wanted to learn some new skills, wanted to have some fun. Right. Um, yeah, had, had some early success with it. Um, team Elevation, the fight team, trains out of that, out of the school in Denver, mm-hmm. amongst a few other ones. And uh, big bodies are you don't come across big guys that uh, fight very often. It's just not something that's very common. Mm -hmm. And so after a while, I was asked to just come in and and train with uh, Curtis Blades, who's number three heavyweight in the UFC. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to pretend like I did well against him (laughs) my first day. Like he destroyed me and, and beat me up. But I was like, okay, I I can do this. Right. If he's if this is the number three guy in the entire world, <laughs> I can do this. And then so I just talked to the coaches and and just went off from there. Started striking. Started learning the whole the whole system of MMA. Yeah. And I know, especially at DNVR, Curtis Blades is a guy that that we're very familiar with. I know these. La- I think his last two pay per views, he's been rocking our merch, which has been awesome. And I know that you were mm-hmm. you were into Vegas with him. Just a couple weeks ago, right? For his his latest yeah, fight. Yeah, I I cornered him for his last fight with with Alexander Volkov in Vegas. Wow, what was that like? I mean, that's gotta be super unique experience during especially during uh coronavirus time. What was that experience like? So the coronavirus experience was something totally separate. Like we were locked down in a hotel six days before the event. Yeah. Uh tested three times for coronavirus. Jeez. Temperature is taken every morning. Um, luckily, I mean the beauty of of MMA is that we had everything we needed. We had he had me there, the training partner, and we had a mat on the floor for our gloves. So that's all we needed to get some work in before the fight. Yeah. And uh, the production of the UFC was amazing. Yeah. That was very cool to see behind the scenes. Even in times like this, I mean they're running like a well-oiled machine. Yeah over at the Apex Center, getting everything set up to be able to stream sports to people out there. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I know, I think that's why I'm glad I get to talk to you because I feel like, especially like 
people buying pay-per-views and watching UFCs, probably a lot more people are probably doing that since this is kind of the only sport that's been on consistently for the last few months. Um, what, what's Curtis like? Could you kind of describe what, what he's like as a person? Yeah, I mean, and you would probably hear this about most fighters. You would not really believe me if I told you what he was like. <laughs> he's the nicest guy. He's kind of like a big, cuddly teddy bear yeah. outside of the cage. <laughs> You know, we both have uh, daughters that are about the same age, two, one to two to three age range, and he's just a chill dude. He likes to watch anime, <laughs> he likes to, you know, read books, talk about Lord of the Rings, because he's kind of nerdy in that aspect, but yeah. he's, a, he's a really cool guy, and he's just he's just chill. Most of these fighters, like everyone thinks that fighters are these intimidating, tough people but when you know when you're confident that you know you can handle yourself mm -hmm. you don't have to be mean to people you don't have to be rude things like that yeah that's interesting i never heard it put that way uh so mm -hmm. i got a couple more mma questions for you and then i'll let you go zach so uh, last sure. one i just had is how does mma compare to the other sports that you've played i know obviously you're a guy we've talked about on the show already you've just been playing sports forever you've played a lot of different sports but how does this one stack up mm -hmm. against against some of those other ones Physically, I'd say it's pretty similar to rugby. It's, uh, there's a lot that you're using, you know, aerobic energy systems and anaerobic. There's long drawn out runs. There's explosive bursts of, of power. Mm -hmm. So physically, it's, it's, it's very similar to rugby. There's a mental aspect of MMA that is different than any sport I've ever played. Yeah. Like it is, we, we do call it a sport, but, you're locking yourself in a cage with another man <laughs> and, and there's a possibility only one of you is going to be awake in the next 15 minutes. Like, right. and that is something that took me, I took maybe three fights before I, I realized that I was still getting adrenaline dumps before the fight and like getting tired before the fight. Yeah. And I had to do some, some specific targeted mental work to get myself ready to go fight another person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine that. And I know that's something like, I feel like everyone kind of thinks when they watch a, watch a fight. Um, something that I've talked about with my friends quite a bit too, is like, I've played rugby. I played football, obviously not at the, the high levels that you have, but um, I, and I know waking up the next day, it, you just feel beat up and, and how I don't even how does the one thing I've wanted to ask is like how does that even stack up like what do you feel like the next day when you wake up after you just been in a fight <laughs> so there's the cuts are really the only thing that are like different yeah I'll, I'll be honest with you soreness level yeah football is, is way above MMA interesting wait waking up the next day from from taking Helmets to the thighs and to the ribs and stuff for an hour mm -hmm. is a lot worse than 15 minutes of, of punching and kicking. Yeah. But the, the aspect of the cuts, like I said, someone opening a, people are trying to open giant gashes over your eyes to get the fight stopped. Like right. the cuts suck. And then, you know, if you get caught in a submission, um, that you're not able to tap quick enough or you don't tap. Like I, in all the football and rugby I played, I never ever thought like, man, I hope I don't break my arm today, <laughs> you know, and that's, 
that's a possibility in, in any time you do MMA or jiu-jitsu. Like, and I hope, I don't want to lose. If I do, I hope I'm not out for eight months from a broken for arm sure. or something like that. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad I got to ask you that. So, uh, that's it, Zach. That's really all the questions I had. I know we talked a little bit about before we jumped on, but uh, you just kind of want to tell us about you got a fight coming up here in a few weeks. Yep, I'm fighting July 31st for the LFA. Mm-hmm. It'll be on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, so tune in. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do that. I, th- I was looking at it before. I'm gonna sign up for that. I'm gonna come check you out. So thank you so much for your time, Zach. I really appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with former Raptor Zach Ponga. Uh, make sure you catch his fight on July 31st. He's part of the LFA 87's main card. Like he said, it'll be streamed on UFC Fight Pass. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, I'm going to support the guests because they took the time out of their day to talk to me and, and help make the show show work. So looking forward to watching that in a couple weekends. I know I've been watching a lot more UFC during quarantine because that's really the only thing that's been on. And um, it's been fun. So thank you again to Zach for chatting with me. I really enjoyed that conversation. Hope you all did as well. So I'll jump into the rest of the show. For The next thing we'll do is required reading. Obviously something we do every week. And this week we're passing the torch back to me. I want you to go read my uh, article on Robbie Petzer uh, moving to the Tokyo Gas. So it'll be be fun to, to check out what he's doing next season. Um, I'm just going to put together a little piece on uh, what, what his career looked like with the Raptors and um, where he's headed. So make sure you go check that out. That'll be on the dnvr.com. Make sure you click on DNVR Rugby. It's all that stuff's there. Um, next part of the show, I think we're going to call this from the bleachers. So it's when people write us on Twitter or in the comments or or anything like that. Um, put out a, a bat signal for questions yesterday. Didn't get any, but I did get a couple comments. And the one I'll answer this week is Flying Kiwi 1989 says, hope the DNVR team has been watching Super Rugby Aotearoa. It is rugby the way it should be played. You're right, Flying Kiwi 1989. It has been awesome. I talk about it on the top of the show. I talk really about it every week. It's been really good rugby. Games have been very exciting as a result. And I'm going to be sad when the season's over, but we just got to enjoy it while we can. I know it's been nice, too. I've talked a little bit about it on the show. But um, with the legalization of, of sports gambling in, in Colorado, it's been fun to you know, put a couple bucks, put a few bucks on the Super Rugby matches right before you go to bed and wake up and see if you want anything, watch the game. Um, that's been fun. It's kind of just something else to spice up the weekend a little bit. And it's something that I will miss once the season's over. But like I said, I'm enjoying it while I can. It's been amazing. It's been really good rugby. And I'm looking forward to catching the games this weekend. So thank you for the comment, Flying Kiwi 1989. And that'll kind of wrap up our From the Bleachers segment. Remember, if you have any questions about anything going on Rugby World, um, shoot them to us at, at DNVR Rugby on Twitter, at Colton Strickler is my personal um, either or, and we'll make sure we answer them on the show. And if you do that, if you don't have a Twitter, you want to re- you read the stuff, leave a comment at the bottom of the page. So that's how you can get a hold of us. And don't be shy. Send them in. I love answering them best I can. And if not, like I said, I'll track down somebody who can't answer the question for you. So last part of the show this week, we'll go ahead and round it off with the loop. And that's obviously um, promoting what we're, we've been up to and what we've got kind of cooking here at the NVR Rugby. So starting next week will be Rugby Town 7's content coming your way. So just kind of a little background. A few weeks ago we talked about, I think probably like a month ago now, a month or two ago, uh, 2020 Rugby Town 7's was canceled due to COVID like everything else. Um, but so those, for those that aren't familiar with the tournament, teams come from all over the world. 
to play in this tournament here in Glendale. So it wasn't something that, you know, feels very likely that it was going to happen. Uh, and, and, you know, it got canceled. That's the right decision. That's what should have happened. But it's a bummer because it is one of my favorite tournaments and it will not be happening this year. So instead, I'm going to try to help make people familiar with the tournament. Um, hopefully you guys want to come out and check it out next year. It was supposed to be played on August 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. But since that isn't happening, I've heard that there will be a rebroadcast of the 2019 tournament instead. Um, sounds like the, the people at Infinity Park are going through and, um, you know, adding in some fresh commentary, interviews with some of the main players and coaches from the match, from all the matches of the tournament last year. Um, and it sounds like they're going to spice it up. And it can, it's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, so next week we'll, we'll kind of shift our focus towards that and talk about that a little bit in terms of, you know, covering the same stuff that we have been doing. But that's kind of what our, our guests will be focused on um, for the next couple weeks until leading up to that tournament. I will be chatting to some of the key people involved with Rugby Town over the years and uh, over these next few weeks. And I'll be taking a, a deeper dive into the history of the tournament. So I'll be cranking out some long-form stuff um, on the dmbr.com. So make sure you go check that out. Yeah, just stay tuned for all that stuff. It'll be fun um, to do to look back at this. And if you haven't checked out Sevens Rugby at all, this would be like the perfect foray into it. And, you know, if you do like rugby and, and you're just looking for something else to watch, this will be fun because um, I bet you haven't seen all these matches. Um, and I think this is not set in stone, but trying to see if we can get that on at the DNVR bar there on Colfax. So I'll keep you posted on all that stuff. Um, should be pretty fun. So keep your eye out for that. Um, with that, oh, I also wanted to talk about all, uh, as well, the former Raptor tracker is being updated every time a Raptor signs somewhere. So make sure you, you're following along with that. I've gotten some positive feedback on that. And I will keep up with it as long as uh, these Raptors keep signing places. So the most recent one, should have probably mentioned this at the top of the show, but Carlo Denation, um, that's our, our guest this week, Robbie Petzer. That's his, uh, that's his guy from, I think they're roommates when they lived here. He just signed with Dallas Jackals, so he makes the fifth Raptor to sign with Dallas. Um, and LA has been, still has been very quiet about what they're doing. So I'm going to try to get some more guys on, talk about their plans. And I'll keep you posted on all that, so make sure you keep it locked on the DNVR former Raptors tracker, and I'll keep it updated. So that's my show for the week. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you all had a great week. Hope you have a great weekend, and I'll catch you back here next Friday. <laughs>